If you've got your scriptures, go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 2 as we get into, of course, the Christmas story and the beauty of the Christmas story. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, this is a timeless, timeless story. Uh, this entire month, we've been talking about songs and the power of songs, the influence of songs, and these priceless songs that were uttered by uh, Zechariah and for Mary, and now uh, we talk about the angels and the proclamation that they had to the shepherds out into the field. Uh, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful time of the year. And uh, we just pray that everybody has a great Sunday, has an amazing Christmas. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's just something about uh, Christmas Sunday. It's always been a special time for me. Uh, my entire life, it's been a special time. And uh, I think it's because uh, I'm like so many of you uh, that grew up in church. Uh, it was never an option about going to church. Uh, we went to church all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night. But for some reason as a kid, this was the Sunday that I didn't have to bother my mom and talk about how boring church was. This was such a great Sunday. Now, part of it is uh, the deacons in the church uh, gave all the kids uh, candy on the way out. We had a bag of candy with a peanut brittle. That was the clincher. And so it was just a special Sunday. Uh, we'd always have a Sunday night service, and that was usually what our uh, kids' program was. And, uh, and then we would drive around it, look at Christmas lights, my mom and my sister, and uh, a part of the other tradition is I would stand in front of this cardboard fireplace and mom would have me uh, read the Christmas story. I butched it every year. But one of the other things that was a tradition, which a lot of you have the same strange tradition growing up, and that is watching these, uh, now looking back, uh, these very simple TV Christmas programs. Uh, back when you didn't have cable, you really didn't have a thousand Hallmark movies. You really only had these classics. And uh, you may remember Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfits, uh, Frosty the Snowman, uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and of course, the, that deeply spiritual moving National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's just the free one. Okay, I didn't grow up with that, but uh, the one that I remember, very, very simple, uh, hard to believe it was such a hit at Christmas, was Charlie Brown's Christmas. And what I loved about that, and I still love, is uh, towards the very end of this Christmas program, and it's the whole story about this Christmas program, and they're trying to find out what the meaning of Christmas is. Linus, I always loved Linus with his blanket, uh, reads the Christmas story right out of God's word. And so I want you to just listen to those words, uh, not from me this morning, uh, but from Linus, and then we will continue. Let's listen to that. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Wow. Doesn't get better than that, does it? 
That's what Christmas is all about. That's not just for Charlie Brown. That's for all of us. And that's the story we're going to talk about today, the power of those words that the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the, uh, the flocks by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and, and shared, do not be afraid, and then shared this amazing good news, the, the birth of Jesus. There's some things that are misleading uh, over the years. Uh, it's interesting how we pile all these stories together. Uh, one of the things is the Magi didn't show. It was, you watch, and it's like everybody, it's like a big party there at the, at the manger, and that really wasn't uh, the scene at all. It was very, uh, very much a solitary place until the shepherds show up. And, um, but what a glorious time. And so there's some, I think, misinformation even about shepherds. I think we look at them, and we have a warm spot in our heart. But in that culture, uh, they really didn't have a warm spot. They were actually considered at the bottom of the social class, which actually tomorrow night uh, when we have our program, our two programs, uh, Christmas and around, we're going to talk more about the shepherds. But I want to talk specifically today about the angels. There's so much we can learn from the angels. Now, I don't know about you, but... There's a lot of curiosity when it comes to angels. Uh, and our world and our culture is actually pretty obsessed with angels. And so here's some popular angels. You may have heard of some of them that angels really are not. I don't think angels in any way look like Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, nice guy. Uh, every time a bell rings, what? An angel gets his wings. Yeah, uh, that's totally false. But anyway, that's, that's not what an angel looks like. Angels don't look like this from the 70s. Some of you remember. No, they don't look like Charlie's angels. Um, and they don't look like angels in the outfield. No, they don't look like that either, okay? But we have this visual idea of what the angels look like. What were the images of the angels? So let's just for a moment, uh, let's just talk about some biblical insights in regard to angels. Uh, first of all, angels are God's messengers. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, they do not have a physical body like, like us. They are a pure spirit. Over 300 times angels are mentioned. Angels fill in the gap uh, between us and God. They are always delivering a message that mankind, not just the individual, for example, if they're speaking to a prophet, they're not just speaking to the prophet. They're speaking to the prophet on behalf of mankind. This message from the angels to the shepherds wasn't just for the shepherds. It is for everyone here today. They were amazing messengers. And think about the impact of their message throughout the Old Testament to Elijah and Elisha, to Joshua, to Abraham, Moses, and these last few weeks, we've been talking about how they reached out to Zacharias and to Mary and now the shepherds. And next week, we're going to talk about Simeon. They have a message for us. Not only were they messengers, they were warriors. There's this amazing story in the Old Testament you need to check out. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. The great prophet Elisha, the king of Aram, the enemy, uh, had heard about Elisha, and what they, he had heard is that Elisha truly is a prophet of God because he can tell you what is happening, not just currently, but what's going to happen in the future. And the king uh, decided, I'll just capture Elisha. 
And I'm sure his idea was, I'll just kill him and anybody that's in his area. I'll just take him out. And then he shows up, it says, uh, in the city of Dothan. And it says they, uh, the servant who is with Elisha wakes up one morning and he looks out and the entire city is surrounded. And he wakes up Elisha. He's like, Elisha, uh, you need to really, uh, you need to hide. Because look, we are surrounded by our enemies. They're coming after you. And I love what Elisha says. He looks out the window and he realizes the whole city is surrounded by God's angels. His warriors. And he, he tells uh, the servant, hey, there is more of the, us. There is more of us than them. And then what I love is he prays to God. God, open his eyes and let him see. And when he opens his eyes, he sees the warriors surrounding them. Now, you read that story. I remember hearing that when I was a kid. And I'm like, wow. Wouldn't that be awesome if God still did that today? I got to tell you, he does. Folks, we are in uh, spiritual warfare like we have never seen right now. And if you don't think God has angels and messengers, uh, heavenly beings, if you don't think this is a spiritual battle, uh, I've shared this before, you need to wake up. We are in a battle, but we are in the presence of the holy God. Billy Graham, back in 1976, wrote a book called Angels, and he wrote the book because at that time there was hardly any information on angels. Now, if you go on Amazon now and you just punch in angels, believe me, there's a lot of books and a lot of information and a lot of misinformation on angels. But here was a story that Billy Graham shared that I've never forgot. And this actually came from John G. Patton, who at the time was a missionary and uh, he was on the island of New Hebrides. And it, on this island, they were doing everything they could to reach this lost group for Christ. And their message was not landing well. To the point that there was a tribe that wanted to kill the missionary and his wife. And every evening, they would actually, in the distance, they could actually hear this drumbeat, this kind of haunting drumbeat. And so they knew they were right outside their home. Can you imagine that? And they would hear this night after night. And after a few months, the drumbeat went away. And about a year later, with their continued work and ministry, they won the chief of that tribe. They won him to Jesus Christ. And they were talking to the chief. And they said, you know, the strangest thing is every night, me and my wife would hear this drumbeat, and we were assuming that we were in a dangerous place. And the chief said, oh, you were in a dangerous place. That drumbeat was basically a call out to, ra to raise up our warriors to kill you. And he said, well, we have no weapons. Why didn't you just come in and kill us? And he said, are you kidding? Because of the guards. He said, what guards? He said, these huge guards that were surrounding your property. Uh, we weren't going to mess with them because there was something different about them. They were dangerous. And the missionary said to his wife, every night we'd look out the window, did you see anything? Well, they didn't see it, but they were there. God's angels are warriors. But you know what else they are? They are worshipers. And when you read throughout Scripture, it is amazing how many times angels 
are the sequences they're lifting up in praise and worship. Uh, there's a couple of classic scriptures. One is Isaiah 6 and then the other in Revelation 4. In Isaiah 6, the angels come together and they chant, Holy, holy, holy. Isn't that amazing? Over and over. Isaiah falls on his knees in reverence because of the angels lifting up God's voice. And then you get to Revelation 4. And it talks about the 24 elders and it talks about the angels and being in the presence of God. And what do you think the angels, it said, continually, 24-7, what do you think they were chanting? Holy, holy, holy. These angels bring about worship. But here's what you need to remember. Uh, though they bring worship, they are not to be worshiped. There is a great scene in Revelation 22, 8 and 9. As John is describing the new Jerusalem, he's describing heaven. And he says, these angels appear. And John, as I would too, falls on his knees. And I love what the angel says. Get up. You don't worship us. We worship one king, one Lord, one Savior. We are not to be worshiped. We are to draw you into worship for Jesus Christ, the King. That's the mission of the angels. That was their mission here in Luke chapter 2. Matter of fact, I want you to pick it up in uh, verse 10. First of all, there's one angel, and that angel, talking to the shepherds in the field, said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. That's the verse we're going to land on today. Uh, matter of fact, let's read verse 10 together. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So this morning, it's very simple. What were the two reasons for the good news? I mean, what was it that the angel shared where we can sit back today and go, that was good news? Here's the first thing. Do not be afraid. Even if you're not taking notes and you have a pen, would you write that in your Bible? Do not be afraid. Uh, nearly 360 times is that phrase throughout Scripture, be not afraid or do not fear. Now, do you know, it's interesting, that word, that word that they were terrified and they were afraid, it's a very popular word in Greek. And uh, you've probably heard it in our culture today. And uh, it is the word phobia. Phobio, excuse me. The Greek word is phobio. It's where we get the word. Anybody want to guess? Yeah, phobias. And there are a lot of strange phobias. But here's the definition of that Greek word. I love this. It's to put to flight. I love that. It's to put to flight, to terrify, frighten, fear from reverence. It's being in the presence of a holy and just God. But I love the idea that what fear does is it takes our thoughts and our thoughts then are put into flight. For example, uh, if you see a snake, which I don't know about you, I hate them. What's your first thought? They're poisonous. If you see a spider, what's your first thought? Spider-Man, of course. So I mean, you have all of these immediate thoughts. That's how we're wired. I remembered, and you may remember this too, do you remember the first time you flew after 9-11? Anybody remember that? You got on the plane, and you're trying not to even think about 9-11. But did you think about 9-11? 
Did you look at the people around you? Anybody suspicious? There were a couple on my plane. I mean, I'm looking around, I'm like, I don't know. Did you talk to the pilot? Did you, I mean, everything changed after 9-11. And your thoughts kind of went crazy. Even to the point of, if this plane was going down, who would I call first? Who would I call, you know, happy thoughts, beautiful thoughts on Christmas Sunday. You got to know that that's what fear does, is it takes flight our thoughts and it takes it, if we're not careful, to a really dark place and to a really scary place. There are phobias today. There's aerophobia. That's the fear of flying. Uh, There's hemophobia. That's the fear of blood. Uh, There is uh, hydrophobia. That's the fear of water. And then there's agoraphobia, and that's the fear of leaving home. And there's autophobia. It's the fear of being alone. You know, there are people still today that they read the Bible as if it's a book of fairy tales and it's not relevant. Let me ask you, is fear relevant today? Is it relevant today? Matter of fact, I want you to think about if I were to preach this sermon a year ago, would it have the weight that it has today in regards to fear? No. I mean, what did we fear a year ago? Christmas Sunday, your fear was the men. Uh Uh-oh. I haven't done my shopping yet. I hope Amazon will deliver. I mean, those are the thoughts you're having. What are the fears and the thoughts that you have this morning? Remember this. Isaiah 43.1, this is what the Lord says. Fear not. I love this. I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. The storms are coming and the anchor holds. And here's what we need to know. We belong to him. It's the same message we need to hear today. Do not be afraid. God is in control. And when we give our lives to Christ and we stay in Christ, he can give us a peace so great. It goes beyond explanation. So that's the first message from the angel. Do not be afraid. Here's the second one. The king is coming. Matter of fact, it's very short, but look at verses 11 through 15. And it's just uh, beautiful as as the angels uh, lay this out. It says, in the town of David, a savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign unto you. You will find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let me pause there. I pause there because when you read that, you realize that a king is coming, but it's not the kind of king that the world is looking for. Uh, Marie and I have been watching uh, The Crown. Anybody watch The Crown? Uh, it's depressing. And you, you watch that, and I can just tell you, I, every so often I'll have a thought like, you know, I wouldn't want to be a king like every day, but a couple of days... It's not a bad gig. You know what I'm saying? You get to eat anything you want. You get to hang out at castles. It looks like they hunt a lot, you know. Uh, but you see this crown at the beginning of it, and you begin to think, I would never want that type of crown. I would never want that. And here's what I love about Jesus. The world was looking for that type of a king. That's not the king that was coming. It was going to be a servant king. And all you need to know is verse 12 especially in the King James Version. It says they found, the shepherds found Jesus in swaddling clothes. You know what swaddling clothes are? It simply means strips of cloth wrapped around the baby. 
That's how poor Mary was. All I've got for this baby are strips of cloth. By the way, when I read and studied this strips of cloth, they said that's the same technique they used for burial services. So she's wrapping the Christ child. I wonder in her mind if she knew how this was all going to turn out. He was a servant. And not only was he wrapped in swaddling clothes, he was laid in a what? A manger. This wasn't some nice crib. Uh, This wasn't a palace. This was a barn surrounded by animals. And when you think about the cradle to the cross, for just a moment today, I want to talk about the cross. That baby born on that beautiful Christmas night, that baby that was placed in a manger, someday would stand before evil. And evil was represented by Herod and Pilate. They had their own view of what a king was. They didn't know what a king was. Matter of fact, if you remember, Jesus in John 18 stood before Pilate, and Pilate had two questions before he had him crucified. Do you remember what they were? Question number one. Are you a king? Do you remember what they put above the head of Jesus, king of kings, to mock him? And so Herod says, are you a king? In his mind, you're a threat if you're a king. He didn't know what a servant king was. And the second question was, what is truth? He's begging Jesus. You know why I think he asked that question? Because he was a king. He knew what it was to be in charge And he was miserable from the inside out. And here he stood in front of the Son of God, the Savior of the world, struggling with what a king was all about. Matter of fact, I love this verse, or these verses from Isaiah 9, 6, that describe, Isaiah describes Jesus. He says, for us, a child is born, for us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, here's what you need to know. First of all, look at man's perspective about Jesus and the birth of Jesus. In the very first part of this, it says, a child is born. We cling to that. Those of us that have been through that experience and we've held our babies in our arms and our our grandbabies in our arms and we look into their eyes and we think about the miracle of life. A child is born. That's man's perspective. What's God's perspective? A child is born and then God says, a son is given. Did you catch that? Now this is a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. There'll be all these Christmas songs about him. And he's tender and he's loving. But you know what he is? He's my son. That's my son you're singing about. That's my son, your savior, who's going to die for you. That's who's in the manger. That's who lays there on this holy night. We need to understand that that message rings clear today. I just want to close. You know when a minister says that, you're thinking... He's lying. They never close. But I am going to close, okay? Okay. What I love about this whole sequence is how it takes place is there's, first of all, one angel, and that angel calms them down. Do not be afraid. I love that. And after the the shepherds uh, calm down, don't you love verse 13? Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. 
with the angel. Man, Vegas cannot compete with that. I mean, I want you to picture that in your mind. Just picture, what would that have been like? I mean, you got to think the shepherds are like, this is crazy. There's one angel talking to us. The Savior is born. And you know they got to be thinking, could it get any more majestic than this? Could it be any more amazing than this? And then, whoo, there's a host. Wouldn't you love to know how many? I mean, I don't think this is like Gladys Knight the Pips. I don't think there's just two, three, four. Man, I think, I think it is like, like you can't even tell. You can't even imagine how many angels. And then they just lifted up this chorus about the coming of Jesus. Now, folks, I don't know about you. I really uh, can't carry a tune in a bucket. I'm a terrible singer. But don't think for a second I don't sing. I sing all the time. Man, I, I don't know about you, but music is such an important part of my life because of the impact that it's had in my life and how it can move my soul. Maybe some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Certain songs will come up and something stirs in me and memories will stir in me. Um, and when people say, oh, music really, it really is not that big of a deal. Okay, in any church in America, do you know what is debated about more than anything else and talked about? The sermons? Please. It's always the music. Why? Because it's a, such a passionate part of our lives. I think that's awesome. I remember as a teenager, every time they would play Rocky on the radio, ask any guy that grew up during that era what that song did to you. You were dangerous when you hear the Rocky theme. You would try to do things you knew afterwards. That was not a good idea. Music does that. It's so powerful. And that's what I want you to know today, how powerful music is and when we think about Jesus and the birth, how important these songs are. Matter of fact, in a group the other day, I asked this question, what's your favorite song of 2020? I love to hear people even reflect on their favorite song and why it's their favorite song in 2020. But I want to share with you a song that I think is carried through time and uh, is uh, laid on my heart recently and really more the story behind it. Um, this happened back in 1876, and uh, it happened to a guy named Ira Sankey who had an unbelievable voice. He actually traveled with D.L. Moody at his revivals and would lead the music. Now, if you remember back in the day, uh, they didn't have really nice uh, microphones, and uh, they didn't, so a, a voice had to be a booming voice, an amazing voice. Uh, because when Moody would have these crusades, we're talking thousands of people would come out to hear Moody. And so they would have this music, this resounding music. And Ira Sankey was so well known. Anybody that had knew anything about those crusades, uh, they knew about him. And on Christmas Eve, he was traveling somewhere to, to connect with family, but he was alone. And he was uh, on the Delaware River on a steamboat of all places. And on that steamboat, the word got out that Ira Sankey was on the boat. And so a group got together, and they pulled him in and said, we know we're putting you on the spot, but will you just sing a song for us on Christmas Eve? I mean, you have such an amazing voice. Now, if you've ever been put on the spot, uh, this happens to me all the time. You know, people will stop me like in Kroger. John, please sing me a song. So if you have a great voice and somebody stops, the first thing I do is like, okay, what, what am I going to sing? 
You got to lean into what you do best, okay? And so he's thinking it's Christmas and it's Christmas Eve. What am I going to sing? And he prayed a simple prayer. Lord, what do you want me to sing? And what he sang was not what we would consider a Christmas song. It's an old hymn called the Shepherd's Song. And here's a little part of it. It says, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use thy folds prepare. I don't even know what half of that means when I read that. But they did. And he sang this beautiful song. And uh, we've all been in moments like that when somebody will sing the perfect song at the perfect time and it seems like time stands still and that's exactly what happens. And that's exactly the solitude and the beauty of this moment. And then here's what happened after he sang the song. Everybody kind of went on to do their own thing and there was a guy and he approached him and he said, hey, that's a beautiful song. He said, I really appreciate it. He said, you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? And he said, sure. He said, uh, I fought for the Confederate in the Civil War. Did you fight in the Civil War? He goes, yeah, I did. He goes, were you a Union soldier? He goes, yeah. Yeah, I was. He said, um, 1862, um, were you uh, with Pickett? Did you serve with Pickett? Were you on duty with Pickett? He goes, yeah, yeah, I was. And he said, was... Uh, one of your responsibilities is uh, around midnight, you were out just kind of watching and taking care of the troops. And he said, yeah, I was on guard that night, I think, on a moonlight. Yeah, that's part of what I did. He goes, yeah, I do recognize you. He said, um, I wasn't just a Confederate soldier. I was actually a sharpshooter, and you were in my sights. And my finger was on the trigger, and you started singing that song. And I took my finger off the trigger, and I thought, nice song. I'll wait at least till he's done, and then I'll take him out. He said, but then I started listening to the words of the song. And I thought, I can't shoot him. Not tonight. So I took my finger off the trigger. Now, if you hear that story, you're a little creeped out, okay? And of course he was creeped out. And then he was amazed by what was next. He said, all these years I've wondered about the song. I want to know about who you were singing about. Because whatever it is you have, I need in my life. And he led him to Jesus Christ. That's how God works. That's how the shepherd leads. Today, I hope. All of you, as you come here, and your minds are probably on a million things because it's Christmas Sunday. Don't lose sight of this thing that matters most. Jesus Christ is still the king, and he loves you, and he calls you by name. And no matter what you've done and what you've been through, he's here for every one of us. Whatever fears we have, he can take those away. He just wants to wrap his arms around us like a good shepherd and love us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be here this morning. It's an unforgettable Christmas season because of everything we've been through and the world has been through. But you, Lord, are the King of Kings.
you're the good shepherd, all wrapped into one. And because of that, we surrender to you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.